You are Locked On Orioles, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Orioles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, welcome back to Locked On Orioles, your place for Orioles news and analysis from the clubhouse to the warehouse and beyond. As always, I'm your host, Justin McGuire. If you're new to the podcast, just a quick reminder, I'm a veteran baseball journalist who spent eight years as a senior editor at Sporting News. I'm a former Cy Young and Rookie of the Year voter. And I host another podcast called Baseball by the Book, so I'd appreciate it if you would check that one out as well. Today we're joined by Eduardo Encina. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. He's one of the Orioles beat reporters for the Baltimore Sun. He and I had a conversation about several topics, including the roster inflexibility created by having three Rule 5 draft picks, the future of the Orioles' bullpen, and what's going to happen to the back end of the rotation once Alex Cobb rejoins the team on Friday. We'll get to all that in just a second. Hey folks, just a reminder, for all the original content of the Locked On Podcast Network, both the podcasts and the written content on every team, go to LockedOnSports.com. And of course, for all your content on the Baltimore Orioles, make sure to go to LockedOnOrioles.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Locked On Orioles. We are joined now by Eduardo Encina. He is the Orioles beat writer for the Baltimore Sun. Just a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, one thing that I, I know has gotten a lot of criticism online is the fact that the Orioles are carrying three Rule 5 players on their roster. And and, and two of those are guys who ha- really had no experience, outs- or, or very little experience anyway, outside of single A before this year. Is that a, a cause of concern for the or- to, for the Orioles, do you think? Or, or um, does it make sense given their, their roster construction? Yeah, it, it's a tough one because, you know, usually their roster construction, especially when you talk about the bullpen, and, and two of those Rule 5 picks are in the bullpen, is, you know, one of the big... The caveats of, of them being successful is it being optionable and then having some guys there who you can kind of move up and down. And with those two relievers, Pedro Araujo and Nestor Cortez, you know, as Rule 5 picks, you really can't do much with them unless they get hurt and you can put them on the DL. But, um, you know, you can't, you know, send them up and down to, to, between the minors and the majors. So, you know, you've got two spots there that are inflexible and you combine that with, you know, most of, of the bullpen uh, elsewhere is, is also kind of inflexible. There's a few guys who have options, you know, Michael Givens, uh, you know, Richard Blyer, uh, Miguel Castro, but all those guys have kind of become, you know, very, you know, important pieces to, to the bullpen um, over the, the past, you know, year, year and a half. So, um, you know, I, I think that was the main concern. And obviously, you know, these guys, like you said, they just don't have that much major league experience. So, the way that you know, the, the one thing that I kind of compare it to is, is, is the Jason Garcia experiment that they had a couple of years ago, when, when they they carried a guy who had a really high upside, you know, was coming off of Tommy John, but he regained his velocity, he was throwing 97, 96 in extended spring, and they drafted him in the Rule Five draft from the Red Sox and tried to carry him, you know, in the back of the bullpen. But you know, eventually, those guys have to pitch. You know, you can't kind of coddle them into, uh, you know, the major leagues. You, that they're eventually have to pitch, and, and and those guys have had to pitch already because. You know, early on, you had some short starts, and uh, you know you, you had to, you know, they, they they had to pitch. You know, you know, Arujo is, is a guy who I think is really interesting because uh, you know they might have kind of got him in a little bit of a of a of a misplay by the Cubs because seemed that the Cubs you know tried to kind of hide him in single A ball last year, but then they you know sent him to the fall league and he pitched really well and uh, you know kind of got on the Orioles' radar that way. So um, you know, 
I think he's got good stuff. I think he's got an interesting, a good makeup. He kind of reminds me a little bit, and the, the comments may have been made by the Orioles before, is he's kind of a little bit like a Pedro Stroke kind of guy. And uh, so, you know, and, and he's had to, the one thing that he's had to do is early on is he's had to pitch multiple innings too, uh, which is something that he really didn't do in spring training. So, you know, he was thrown into the fire. Nestor Cortez has been thrown into the fire too. So these are two guys who, you know, if, if, if it's going to be successful, it's going to be because they're kind of, you know, succeeding in a trial by fire kind of situation here. So um, with Santander, with, you know, he's a rule five pick who kind of carried over from last year. And he's kind of been a surprise to me in terms of how, how big of a role he's, he's gotten. And he had a really good spring training. And you know, I guess you got to keep in mind with him is, you know, we really didn't see too much of him last year. You know, he was hurt for most of the year. And, uh, you know, he, we saw him at the end of the year and, he had a lot of strikeouts, but it was a pretty short sample size, and I think he's finally healthy, and, and I think you can kind of see what the kind of promise that they saw in these guys. Now, you know, the real five picks have become kind of this way for the Orioles to build and, you know, kind of supplement uh, some prospects without, you know, to kind of complement their farm system, which, you know, in the past has kind of been lacking. So, um, but when you look at it going into this year, you know, the, the guys who they've gotten really haven't been, you know, prospects. You know, they've gotten guys. You know, you got six years out of Ryan Flaherty as a utility player. You got, you know, a couple of years out of T.J. McFarland as a long reliever. You know, Joey Rickard. You can kind of question what 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 his you know future is. Is he really considered a prospect anymore? So, you know, they've done this to try to create more prospects. But I don't know if you know over the course of time, you know, six seven years that you know, the, the, the Orioles have kind of really gone in this direction to really try to prioritize keeping these guys on the roster. You've really you know, gotten the quote unquote best player. If you've more gotten, you know, maybe a role player here and there. So I think that's part of it, you know, a little different. I think, you know, with some of these guys, you know, Arujo and, 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 and Santander, these guys might be guys who can help them, uh, you know, down the stretch over the next few years. But obviously that's, that's still to be determined. But, you know, I think this year the crop of, of rule five guys, I think overall has, has probably been a little bit better than years past because, um, and, 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 and I think it's, it's a testament to maybe some of the other farm systems that are out there. They have so many prospects that you know, maybe they, they can't keep you know, certain guys to protect them on a, on a 40-man roster. So um, I guess that plays in the Orioles' favor. But like I said, over the long term, you know, they really haven't too much, had too much to, to you know, hang their hat on in terms of impact kind of guys that they've gotten in the Rule 5. And like you said, Yek, obviously one of the issues too with the with the two relievers is if they do struggle down the line and you don't have any options of what to do with them this year, um, that really puts a stress on a team where starting pitching is an issue and you know they're not necessarily going to be working uh, deep into to games as starters very often or at least as often as some yeah. other teams maybe. Um, so down, I mean, right now you could probably get away with it, but it seems like maybe down the road this is a, this is a recipe for for some some. Rocks, roster inflexibility that may hurt them if they are indeed sure. contending for something. Um, well, speaking of the bullpen, um, Brad Brock has obviously gotten the the closers role with Britton out. Um, he's been a little mm-hmm. shaky. He you know he blew a save in the first game of the season. He 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 walked a tightrope on Sunday against the Yankees and, and right. got out of it. But with you know I don't know, still don't know exactly how he got out of it. But um, are are there any? thoughts that maybe somebody else is going to get that role if he continues to struggle now obviously his results haven't been disastrous yet but he hasn't looked he hasn't right. looked real sharp yeah i mean i i think it's a situation where you know i talked to brad about this and you know i think you know 
probably the first first week of the season, and, and we just kind of asked him about what you know what does Buck tell them in terms of you know who's the closer, what your roles are, stuff like that. And I think you know in terms of the bullpen, he really does want to know you know guys if he can dictate roles to guys he wants to. But you know he he really didn't tell you know he told him and, and, and Darren O'Day and Michael Gibbons you know, in and told him, you know, I'm not going to, you know, announce the quote-unquote interim closer here. You know, all you guys could have roles there and, and uh, you know, be prepared for that. And I think, you know, coming off of last year where, you know, Brad pitched well, but I think there were some times there when, you know, he either looked fatigued or he looked like he couldn't really get out of some, some certain jams and, you know, they kind of, you know, went away from him a little bit um, when he was filling in last year. So, I think that kind of gave, you know, or at least put the mentality into those guys' heads that, you know, all you guys have to be ready. And, you know, that, like I said, that goes for Brock, that goes for O'Day, that goes for Gibbons. Now, you know, I don't think there's any secret just because, you know, obviously Brock and Britton are both free agents at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, O'Day's probably best, best fitted to be kind of a setup guy no matter what, is that, you know, Gibbons is, is seen as, as kind of the closer of the future. Now, when that future kind of becomes the present, you know, yes, you soon, but if, if Brad struggles a lot and, you know, Zach isn't you know, healthy yet, you know, and, and the caveat to this too is, you know, when Zach comes back, obviously Zach's going to be a closer. And I would think that Zach would have a very long rope because, you know, no matter what, you know, this, this might be a, a secondary thing, but, you know, first off, he deserves to have a long rope given what, what he's meant to the club for the past you know, three, four years, but also, you know, the fact that, you know, you've kind of showcased him a little bit in the case that, you know, you, you want to move him and later on in the year. So um, you've got that at play. But also, like I said, I mean, I think that, you know, Gibbons is the closer of the future. I think he's, he struggled a little bit early on too. But, you know, I, I think that you've, you've seen over the course of time what he can be and what he is in terms of a, of a guy who, you know, can get those kind of outs in the ninth inning and the capability at least to get those kind of outs in the ninth inning and, um, you know, also, you know, he's got the kind of stuff that, that misses bats as well, which is important. So, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the, the way they're eventually going to go. Um, but, you know, I think you'll see, uh, you know, kind of a mix there. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get some opportunities or even O'Day gets some opportunities. You know, it's all going to be, you know, the one thing that Buck always talks about is I'm not going to put guys in harm's way. And I think, you know, with Brock, that first year that he was really, really good, and it was his all-star year a couple of years ago, they really used him a lot. And as much as, as you know, they might want to say that, you know, they, they kind of protect their guys, like, he was used a lot. I mean, it was almost the fact that I was kind of had that concern last year in the second half of Miguel Castro, how much they used him as well. So, you know, those guys, you know, they can wear down. You know, it's, it's a situation where, you know, as the innings pile up and the appearances pile up, you know, it's, Guys who, especially guys who haven't done this before and, and on a regular basis. So, um, you know, I think those three guys are going to see some time towards the back back end of games, and, and it's all going to come down to really, you know, how deep the starters go because you know, that creates its own problem. If you've got to use, you know, O'Day in the in the sixth instead of the seventh, or Gibbons in the sixth instead of the seventh, and most pushes everyone else back. So, I think we saw that in the first week of the season, and then in Houston, that you know, you know, if, if if those starters don't get deep in the games or deeper into games, more than five innings, five, four innings, that, um, you know, no matter who's pitching uh, the ninth inning, eighth inning, it's really not going to matter because these other guys are going to get tested, which goes back to the whole, you know, inflexibility of the bullpen. Um, you know, they made it work 
you know, this week with, you know, putting Kobe Rasmus on the DL. I don't think anyone had really known that Kobe Rasmus was having any hip issues, but, you know, somehow they kind of find a way to, to figure out how to find a spot for a, a new bullpen arm. But, um, you know, how sustainable that is, who knows, especially, you know, if, if you keep on getting these, these short starts. Now, speaking of Zach Britton, what is the latest on him in terms of when he may may actually be back in action? Yeah, that's a tough time, Gable, because you know Zach's with the team now still, and and, and he's uh, you know he's putting weight on that on that leg. He hasn't really started throwing, and he hasn't gotten off a mound on a mound yet to, to do like any sustainable throwing. Basically, he's done some throwing, you know, on flat ground. He's been doing a lot of um, recently. A few days ago, he started doing some pretty intensive jogging, which to put more pressure on that foot. So um, he's still in the beginning stages, but I think that once he does get on a mound and he's able to really feel his way through his motion and his throwing and putting weight on that arm, on that leg, um, he, it could go pretty quickly. I mean, Zach, you know, he wants to be back by, I think he wants to be back by Memorial Day. But, you know, I think that might be a little bit uh, soon. I think, you know, you're still kind of looking at June to, to try to see when, when a realistic time of when he could be back. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's, he's still doing he's, – he's, there's no setbacks, so that's kind of the important thing. Um, but, you know, at this point, I think, you know, you're still kind of looking at, at June, maybe May, uh, late May, if, uh, if things really start going uh, pretty well. But I think the one big thing to keep in mind with Zach is that you know, last year when he came back from the first injury, you could say that, you know, they, they probably rushed it a little bit to try to get him back soon. So I think this time around, given everything that's at stake and the fact that you do have a little bit of faith in the guys who are still there, um, you know, that they'll, they'll, they'll take, not take their time, but I think they'll, they'll proceed with, uh, you know, the, the amount of time that they, they really should in terms of his recovery. All right. Well, in terms of the starting pitchers, um, we know that um, Alex Cobb, I believe, is is set to join the rotation on um, the 14th against the Red Sox. Is that right? No, yeah. I mean, the, the big question with the Cobb has really been, you know, because this is kind of a unprecedented thing, or it's a little bit more unprecedented than than the past. Is you know, when these guys sign late, uh, you know, at the end of spring training, is this the case of Cobb? Is the case of you know Jake Arrieta? Is that you know they've still got a no matter how many bullpen sessions they threw on their own, you know, they've still got to build innings and in, in kind of the game kind of atmosphere. So, you know, with, with Cobb, the big question was, you know, would he be ready after he, you know, quote unquote, threw five innings or six innings? So if he threw five innings, he would have been ready, you know, today, or he would have been ready for Monday's game against uh, the Blue Jays. But, uh, you know, they're going to give him that, that sixth inning uh, stint on Monday and uh, then, you know, deem him ready to pitch over the weekend in Boston. So uh, the big thing with Cobb, I think that's interesting here is that he really hasn't faced actual hitters, hitters in a game. You know, all these things, all these outings have been simulated uh, games. And you know, as much as simulated games as we watched during spring training is, you know, you can simulate most things. You can simulate at bats. You can simulate, you know, I guess I saw Andrew Kasher do, do a sim game and it was down to, you know, him stepping behind the mound and, you know, saying saying a prayer before the game and, and hopping off the mound when he after he struck out a guy. So, I mean, you can simulate some things, and the big thing to simulate there is kind of, you know, at bats. How do you approach at bats? Also, the ups and downs of, of you know having a break between half innings. But 
it's not the same thing as a game. So, you know, there's not the fans there. It's, it's, it's not the, you know, you're not in a stadium. There's so many other aspects of it that, you know, you can't simulate. So I think the big thing will be interesting is, you know, and Alex Cobb, one of the reasons they signed him is that he's, he's a veteran guy. He, he has shown a track record of success in the American League East. So, and, you know, this shouldn't, you know, affect him. But, you know, just getting thrown out there for the first time in what, since, you know, late September, early October, in a game atmosphere in Boston, um, in, 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 you know, an important game, uh, division game, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how that first outing goes. Um, like I said, I think it's Saturday. It should be Saturday in Boston at Fenway. So, um, but like I said, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where and they've, they've planned it out and they've, they've tried to plot everything out with the caveat in mind that, you know, they've signed this guy for four years. So, you know, it, it's an investment and, and they want to make, do everything that they can to ensure his health because, you know, we, we know that the Orioles don't really make too many of these, you know, long-term signing, starting pitchers. So uh, all that's in, in mind and in play too. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, all signs point to Saturday in Boston to see uh, Alex Cobb in an Orioles uniform in a real, real game for the first time. Yeah, and I know I know fans are extremely excited about that because <laughs> they were extremely excited when he when he signed in the first oh, yeah. place. Um, so that raises the question though of the um, the fourth and fifth starters right now. They've been you know Mike Wright and Chris Tillman have been in those roles. One of those guys is going to have to be dropped from the rotation, assuming that you know everyone else stays healthy. Um, Wright had a terrible outing against the Yankees on Sunday. Um, Tillman hasn't been great, but probably hasn't had an outing quite that bad. Um, realistically, is Wright the odd man out, do you think? I, I would think so. And part of the big thing that comes to play is, well, really, you can't do much with either one of those guys. Now, in terms of, you know, you're probably just going to move them to the bullpen for now. Now, having said that, you know, then we go back to the roster flexibility is, you know, if you move if you move either one of those guys, then who do you, who do you bump out? There's really no one you can really bump out at this point. You know, Mike Wright's out of options. Chris Tillman is an interesting situation because when they signed him, you know, they signed him with the idea, and this is why some of the negotiations took so long, is what was the number that they were comfortable with that if he, you know, let's say his first five, six outings, he was just horrible, that they would be comfortable with cutting ties. Now, anyone who's followed this organization for a while knows that they've held on to some guys maybe longer than they should have because they've invested so much money in them. And Ubaldo Jimenez, Ivana Gallardo, guys like that. Now, um, that they didn't want that with Tillman, even though they liked him and you know he's one of their guys and everything like that. If they had protection for that, if, if you know if he just bombed, now he hasn't bombed. It's probably too early to even. It is too early to, to consider that. I think at this point. So I think if anything, he's probably the guy who, who does get the opportunity to stay in the rotation um, over Wright. And also Wright has had the opportunity. To, I mean, he, he's pitched in the bullpen before. He, he's, you know, that was kind of a mixed bag last year. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting situation because I do feel like Mike Wright, you know, just from watching the spring training, just kind of listening to him talk. Now, you know, I don't like him seeing. I don't like seeing him punch the the dugout wall yesterday, uh, the other day when he, you know, got looked from the game. It kind of reminded me of a couple of years ago when he didn't get out of an inning in in, in Toronto and he pounded up against the. The, uh, the bench in the, in the dugout there in the Rogers Center. But, you know, I do think that, that he has shown some, some pretty uh, significant maturity. And I, I think that he realizes now that, 
And, and the start on Sunday was we didn't really see too much of it, but I think in the past he was a guy who just tried to force it. And, you know, if, if his fastball wasn't there, he would keep trying to push his fastball, push his fastball, push his fastball. And I think what he's learned is a little bit more how to pitch instead of throw in terms of using his breaking stuff and secondary stuff to try to get him out when, uh, you know, when, when he's not, you know, when that fastball is not there. So, and obviously Sunday was, you know, kind of snowballed him pretty quickly. And uh, you know, he really wasn't able to establish anything. But I do think that he has shown those signs that, you know, maybe he's able to click. Now, whether I think for Mike Wright, you're probably going to see those kind of outings every once in a while. There's, you know, one, two inning outings. Even when he, if you, if you see the best, if you project the best version of Mike Wright, you're still probably going to see one of those every once in a while. But um, if you answer your question, that, that is a tough call. I would, I would just think that it would probably be Wright's guy who would get bumped out of out of the rotation, but then obviously the next question is how do you, how do you make room in that bullpen for him? Because uh, you know I don't think that, that they're ready to you know cut ties on, on either one of those guys. So I think that's that's kind of the, the big big question going going forward. Yeah, and it's like we were talking about earlier with the with the two relievers, right. uh, the Rule Five guys. It gives him so little flexibility in that bullpen anyway. Right. Um, that trying to put a guy like Wright in there. Um, just to have him around, it could be real tough, and you're going to end up with a lot of, you know, probably too many pitchers on, on the roster at that point. Right. And, and, and one thing, one, one, one thing other to mention, Justin, is just the notion of, you know, if you're, if you're going to, you know, which, which guy you put in the bullpen, we saw what happened when you put Chris Sherman in the bullpen last year. You know, they kind of just buried him, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's not a reliever, you know. And, and so, you know, also when you do that, you've also got to keep in mind, well, who's the best? When we bump one guy, who's the best guy to help us? the way we need in that bullpen. And then, like I said, when, when Tillman was, was pushed back there a couple times last year when he struggled, you know, they really didn't, didn't even use him. They really couldn't find places to use him. I think it was like a, a week or nine days or something like that that they went without even using him. And, and, and you just can't do that in, in the American League. Like, you have to have everyone, you know, quote-unquote available in, in a bullpen over, you know, a several-day span because, you know, you just need them, and especially the way this – you know, I mean, I, I, when, when they sign you starting pitchers, I don't think anyone, you know, you're not going out there and getting, getting guys who are, you know, going to give you eight, nine innings every night out. You know, you're not going out there guys signing, you know, Clayton Kershaw's or anything like that. I mean, you're still going to get these guys who are going to give you, you know, at their best, six, seven, maybe eight innings. So, you know, the bullpen's still going to come to play. And, you know, every once in a while, like you saw early on, you're going to get a four or five. So, you know, I, I think that bullpen is still just as important as it was last year and, and the year before that and even going back to 2012 um, in terms of the guys who are there, the roles that they have, and you know even the flexibility that, that, that can, that's contained within. And, of course, we know you know with pitchers there's always a possibility there's going to be injuries either in the bullpen or the sure. rotation, which would, of course, make, make room for both guys. But, but barring that, it seems like at some point they may have to make a decision whether they can actually keep both these guys around. Do you think it's it's – Likely that one of them is going to be gone before the end of the season. I mean, it's it's possible. Like I said, I mean, I think you know, for the most part, you know, unless they, you know, unless the team just kind of bottoms out, you know, if they're kind of you know around five hundred for you know, as long as they do that, I think that or at least maintain you know, competitiveness in the division. I think you know, it, it's. It's hard to do, but like I said, I think the big thing there was, especially with Tillman, is the notion that you know the the money that he signed for, I think three million, is 
that was a number that they were comfortable with if he, you know, did not do well early on and they were comfortable with cutting ties on him. And, and, you know, I mean, Mike Wright as, um, you know, as, as valuable as, as they, they thought that he is and think that he is now, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, eventually, I think everyone knows, you know, it's, you know, but I think Buck talks about it every once in a while is this notion of, you know, uses Zach Britton as a perfect example is that there's sometimes being out of options, you know, helps the guy because he knows that he's not going up and down in the minors and the majors. You know, he knows he's going to, for the most part, that he's going to pitch at the major league level this year um, in some organization, you know, unless he got outright. But, you know, and, and I think that's what the hopes are with Mike, right? You know, and like I said, two starts, man, it's, it's a little early to, to, to project, you know, how far, you know, whether either one of those guys will be gone and, and when. But I think for the most part right now, you know, they're going to they're gonna try to keep them. Like I said, there's not, there's only, there's a numbers crunch too there. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that might shake out. Like I said, we, I didn't know that Colby Rasmus had a hip issue until, um, you know, he was DL'd. So. Right. Um, so there may there know, may be it, some injuries that we're not how, aware of. <laughs> right, it, it, it's interesting how those things kind of come up when they when they need to come up. Yeah, it's always I mean? it's always very uh, it's very coincidental, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Well, th- thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. No problem, Jeff. Anytime, anytime. Uh, I appreciate coming on and, and talking baseball. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Orioles. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.